Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. The title of the message this morning is From Grace to Disgrace. And that can happen in seconds. We can spend a lifetime in Christ, building our lives in Christ, building ministries for Christ, just serving Christ all of our life, and then in seconds we can ruin it. We can bring it crashing down, and that's kind of what we're going to see this morning. Uzziah was a king for 52 years, but he spoiled it all in an hour. Many men and women who have been in power have spoiled all that they've accomplished in their lifetime. And even though they got off to a good start and it looked like a promising and continued uh, uh, good end, it didn't turn out that way. Uzziah's reign was the longest of Judah and Israel, except for Manasseh, who reigned for 55 years. And Uzziah's reign was full of prosperity, success in foreign wars that made him famous and it made him stronger, which were signs of God's approval, but it was all ruined in a moment. Now, his people didn't suffer for his sin, and neither did his priests who were faithful to their calling and the holy responsibility that God gave them that worked to their advantage. But for Uzziah, he went off track somewhere. When he, dis when he derailed, we don't know when that happened. But all of his work of many years of a well-spent and up to this point of an amazing reign was wiped away by one unguarded moment. Keep that in mind. It doesn't take long. All it takes is one unguarded moment for everything to come crashing down. So Uzziah's story isn't uncommon. And we can learn some helpful lessons from it this morning. And we're going to look at three specific aspects in his life. We're going to look at his success, we're going to look at his pride, and then we're going to look at his punishment. Now, in verses 1 through 15, we're going to see his reign, and we're going to see that what, what, what God did for him. So let's begin in chapter 26 with verses 1 through 3. And it begins, Now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. Now Amaziah was Uzziah's father, and Amaziah started out, he started out good too. God gave him victory over the Edomites, but he did a very foolish thing. After defeating the Edomites, he brought back some of their idols and worshipped them. So God delivered Amaziah to Joash, the king of Israel, and he came to Jerusalem and he broke down part of the walls. He took hostages and treasure and killed Amaziah. Now Uzziah was made king at 16 years old. And all the people agreed that, that this teenage, to make this teenage boy their king. But you know, being too young may have been what caused Uzziah's downfall, 
You see, it's not wise to put such big responsibilities on young people because young people make critical decisions with immature minds and they judge or they think without full knowledge. And a lot of times they act on impulse and feelings and not on fact and long-term effect. And I go back to when I was young. And I remember many of the things that I did as a young boy, you know, in my teens, in my early 20s, I did them based on impulse. I did them based on, hey, man, that's cool. This would be fun. That would be a great thing to do. Never thinking what that might do to me long-term. What results it might have in my life later on drinking and the drugs you know and i grew up in the 60s and and i took a lot of lsd without thinking about it it was fun it was what was happening but when i became a christian and i got older i remember i used to hear that you know what lsd could bring birth defects to your children and i thought oh lord please god don't let my children come out with any birth defects you see, what I did back when I was young, I didn't think about what it might do to me in the future. Again, being young and not thinking down, down, down the road and, and not thinking on, on facts and long-term effect. Young people are easily influenced by other people rather than by guided by sound principles. And they fall into serious and sometimes irreversible situations and mistakes. Heavy responsibilities before they're ready isn't a good thing for the young, because again, they face a lot of temptations that they shouldn't have to deal with at their age. And it puts a heavy responsibility on them that they're not yet mentally strong enough to deal with. And most of the time, they will crumble under the load. Responsibility isn't for the young, but for those who are ready and are ripe in experience. Look at verses four and five. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long, notice, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. That's, that's an important verse to, to remember. As long as he sought the Lord, he prospered. Here's why Uzziah was so successful. Uzziah had Zechariah as his counselor, and he wanted to know the Lord. And again, verse 5 says, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Every true seeker of the Lord has to be born again. We read in Deuteronomy 4.29, if, it says, you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And unless you're born again, you're not going to seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. This involves the gift of a divine existence. When you're born again, it's the gift of a divine existence. In other words, of a godly uh, uh, relationship uh, and existence with God, not a carnal existence. It's the creating of a new nature, Peter, Peter said. Because you see, this is the nature that habitually seeks after God, the one who's born again, who's a new creature in Christ. Now, what does seeking the Lord include? It's in seek, it's, it includes worshiping, praying, and waiting then you will experience prosperity. Now, if you ask a worldly person what prosperity is, they'll say money, the accumulation of stuff, property, possessions, good health, friends, and so on. But what is Christian prosperity? Christian prosperity is spiritual growth. Have you grown since, since yesterday? Have you grown since last week? Are you growing? 
in Christ. Because the minute you stop growing, you start to die. Secondly, victory over trials is a part of Christian prosperity. Are you getting victory over trials? Or are you crumbling under them? Are you giving up, throwing in the towel? The Christian life is a life of, of being a conqueror. And third, most val the most valuable lessons are those learned from the heaviest trials. How long did this prosperity go on? Verse 5 says, as long as he sought the Lord. Joshua 1.8, we read, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then, notice, for then, will, you, will it make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. As one of the kings of Judah, Uzziah remembered, mostly was remembered mostly for the good times that he enjoyed while he was king because you, they, experienced, they experienced prosperity. While he was king, Jerusalem experienced a lot of wonderful improvements. Now, Zechariah was most likely one who had an influence over Uzziah when it came to the things of God because it says in verse 3, Zechariah had understanding in the visions of God. Now, what does that mean? That means that he was able to receive God's word and then he was able to give it to men. But you know what? We can have the same understanding like Zechariah did. How? When we are reading the Word of God. When we are reading the Bible, we can see that God didn't then, as he does it now, give his Word just to anybody. There are certain conditions that God is looking for before he reveals his Word to us. He's looking for a pure heart. And he's looking for holy character. He looks for godly men and women and holiness. Holiness is the key to seeing and hearing from God. Hebrews 12, 14 says, without holiness, this is important, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness, our salvation hinges upon holiness. And scripture tells us in Hebrews 11:6 that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The word diligently means to search out. It means to investigate. It means to crave. Do you crave God? Do you investigate God? To find out all that you can about him? Do you search him out? Because those are the ones who are going to find him. The word of God is not revealed to the lazy. If you find the word of God dry, apply a little sweat. David called God's word a treasure. When you think of a treasure, what do you think of? Seeking it out, finding out where it's buried, and then digging it up. A little work. And then in verses 6 through 15, we see Uzziah's success. That's the first thing that we look at. But let's begin with verses 6 and 7. Now, now <clears throat> he went out and made war against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jabna, and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians, who lived in Gerbaal, and against the Maonites. So here we see Uzziah's successful career. He was a great soldier, but again, it was because God helped him. And because God helped them, notice what it's the result in verse 8. Also, the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah. Notice his fame, because God helped him, 
His fame, it says, was spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he became exceedingly strong. Because God helped him, his fame became, it spread all through Egypt. So did the boundaries of his kingdom. They spread out to Egypt. This added power to his kingdom. Verse 9. And Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the corner buttress of the wall. Then he fortified them. So not only was his career successful, not only was he a brilliant soldier, but he was a great builder. Uzziah didn't just build the fortress at Elath and the cities in Philistia. He also built the towers, we're told in verse 10. In Jerusalem, he built towers at the corner gate, the northwest corner of the city. And at the valley gate on the west side, where the Jaffa gate is now. And at the, and at the corner support of the wall on the east side of Zion. The tower controlled both the temple, hill, and Zion against attacks from the southeast. Verse 10. Also, he built towers in the desert. He dug many wells, for he had much livestock, both in the lowlands and in the plains. He also had farmers and vine dressers in the mountains uh, and in Carmel, for he loved the soil. This desert and wilderness place was on the west side of the Dead Sea. And this tower protected his flocks and his shepherds against attacks from gangs of robbers either, who were either Edomites or Arabians. Uzziah was a farmer. He was a cattle breeder. He had a lot of cattle in the area that we just mentioned in the lowland between the mountains of Judea and the Mediterranean, also in the plains on the east side of the Dead Sea, from Arnon to near Heshbon in the north. He made cisterns in each of those areas for those cattle. He was a serious farmer. He kept farmers and vine dresses in the mountains and in the harvest fields. Josephus, the Jewish historian, said that he took care to cultivate the ground. He planted it with all kinds of plants, planted all kinds of seeds. Verses 11 and 12. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies, according to the number on their roll as prepared by Jael, the scribe, and Maasiah, the officer under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. Verse 12, the total number of chief, of chief officers of the mighty men of valor was 2,600. Uzziah was a gifted soldier. He was a gifted general. He put together an army. And the numbers of fighting men, that was, was, the number was prepared by Hananiah. He was one of the king's captains. And he was assisted by Jael and the scribe uh, Maasiah, the steward. These two officials you know, were skilled in writing and making up of lists. Look at verse 13 now. And, un, and under their authority was an army of 307,500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. So we see here the total force, according to the estimation, was 307,500. 307, These were able-bodied, thoroughly disciplined, disciplined troops with 2,600 heads of fathers' houses, according to verse 12. These were mighty men. They were brave men, and they acted as superior officers, again, and as division commanders. Look at verse 14 now. Then Uzziah prepared for them, for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body, uh, body armor, bows, and things to cast stones. Uzziah armed his soldiers. He made weapons for them. He made weapons for the whole army. They needed offensive and defensive weapons for fighting. He made the offensive weapons, 
uh, spears, bows, and slings. He made the defensive weapons, shields, helmets, and body armor. Look at verse 15 now. And he made devices of Jerusalem invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide for he was marvelously helped till, <clears throat> notice, <clears throat> until he became strong. He made devices, verse 15 says, <clears throat> those devices and he made and he fortified Jerusalem. How? By putting these devices that were invented by skillful men to shoot arrows and large stones on the towers and the corners of its walls. These devices are one of the earliest references to catapults, which seem to uh, have been defensive weapons since their users were on the towers and the corners. Now, verses 1 through 15 are, is just a, a review of what God did for Uzziah. All right, it shows how much God blessed Uzziah and how much God, uh, Uzziah had to be grateful for, how much he had to be thankful for because of all God had done for him. Now let's begin to see what happened. Look at verse 16. 16 through 33 now, talk about the punishment that he received for, again, getting derailed somewhere. Verse, uh, let's look at verse 16. But... When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction because he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So somewhere in verses 1 through 15, again, we saw all that God did for him. He was a great farmer. He was a general. You know, he could put armies together. He became powerful. He became famous. His, his kingdom, you know, became famous, and it grew all because of God's favor. But something happened from the, in between those verses. Verse 16 tells us that he got proud. The sin of pride entered into Uzziah's life. What made Uzziah think that he could do a, such a foolish thing as to go into the inner sanctuary and, 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 and offer up incense to God? What was it? It was pride. Pride lifted his heart. This is what you can expect to happen when somebody has too much. Too much material and worldly prosperity. Now Uzziah was a descendant of David, but there were strict limits on his role in worship. That is, what he could and couldn't do. Now maybe Uzziah wasn't happy about those restrictions. And after God had given Uzziah such great prosperity and power, he became proud. And his pride corrupted him. And Solomon was right when he said that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, Proverbs 16, 18. If God has blessed you, you know, with wealth, it's okay. If God has blessed you with power and popularity, it's okay. But be thankful for it. Enjoy it. But be careful. You are to possess things. They are not to possess you. And it's okay and it's natural to get excited when we accomplish something. But it's wrong to be disrespectful to God or to look down on others and have a superior attitude towards them. 
We need to check our attitudes. We need to remember to give God the credit for what I have done, for what you have done. We have to give God the credit for what we've accomplished. Jesus said, without him, you can do nothing. Paul said, with him, we can, all things are possible. Use your gifts in the way that pleases God. Listen to the instruction given to God's people in Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 14 and verse 18. It says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. How? By not keeping or obeying his commandments. That is, by not obeying his word, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, you shall remember the Lord your God, notice, because it is he who gives you power, that is the ability to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. God gave the people a warning. Look, when you're prosperous and you're enjoying life and everything is just so wonderful and it couldn't get any better, he says, don't forget how you got that. He said, I have given you the ability to get wealth. I'm the one who's enabled you to. I've given you the strength to go to work every day. I've given you that job for, for years. I'm the one who's enabled you to get what you have. You see, pride was the root cause of Uzziah's sin. It was pride in his heart. It was a lust that destroys, that does destroy more than anything, more than any other sin. That's why God hates sin. Out of the seven things God says, I hate pride was at the top of the list. Proverbs 6, 16. Why? Pride will keep you out of heaven. Pride will keep you out of heaven. Uzziah was strong. Why? Because God helped him. Uzziah had grown famous. Why? Because God made him famous. Uzziah was wealthy and he was powerful. Why? Because God made him wealthy and powerful. But you see, instead of Uzziah lifting up God's name and glorifying God and thanking and praising God because he had done so much for him, Uzziah's heart was lifted up. And it destroyed him. And he committed this strong, think of this, he committed this sin when he was strong, not when he was weak. He committed this sin when his empire was at the height of its greatness. When his empire was in all of its glory and splendor. It was when he was at the peak of his fame, when his kingly magnificence was at its peak and his heart had everything it could want. This is when he messed up when he should have been so happy and satisfied with what he had and not wanting more. Paul tells us to be content with what we have. And if we stop wanting more, we would be happy with what we have. If God wants me to have more, I'll have more. But right now, I have and you have everything God wants you to have. God knows what might happen to me if I, if, I'm, if I got wealthy or if I you know, had all kinds of material things. He knows what's best for me. 
But instead of, instead of Uzziah showing uh, 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 praise and thanksgiving to God, he showed an ungrateful heart. Think of it. All that God had done for Uzziah, and we saw that again in the first 15 verses, what an insult to God. What an attack on God's goodness and on God's graciousness. Who Paul said has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Who daily loads us with benefits, the psalmist said. Where every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, James says. Uzziah had been so successful. Uzziah had done so much business. Uzziah had won so much honor that he started to think, man, hey, I can do anything. There's nothing I can't do. There's no honor too great for me. There's nothing too good for me. You see, Uzziah got so puffed up that he thought that he could take on the priestly role of ministering to God in the holy place. This was the nature of his sin. Uzziah was doing something God did not call him to do. And how many people do that today? Uzziah did something that God didn't want him to do. Uzziah wasn't called to be a priest. He was called to be a king. What Uzziah did clearly broke God's law. The privilege of entering into the holy place and ministering inside the holy place belonged only to the Aaronic priesthood. Listen to Proverbs 18, uh, verse 7. It says, Any unauthorized person who comes too near the sanctuary will be put to death. Any unauthorized person who even comes too close to the sanctuary will be put to death. Uzziah was not an authorized person. You see, we need to let this be a warning to us. The Bible is, is a, a book of, of you know, warnings. It's a book of rewards. It's, it, it, it's, it's there for us to learn by. Learning through these other men's experiences, the good and the bad. Let this be a warning to us this morning. Again, what place might you be in this morning where God hasn't called you to be? And I don't mean just ministry. In your personal life. What places have you entered into where you don't belong? Are you thinking of entering a no trespass zone in your life? Are you thinking of being in a place where God hasn't called you to be? If so, what are you doing there? You see, Uzziah disobeyed the word of God with a censer in his hand to burn incense. Worshiping God and disobeying God with a Bible in my hand is pretty much the same thing. How many people come to church with their Bible in their hand, but they're disobeying the word of God? And they're living in sin. That's the same thing as Uzziah did. He had a censer in his hand, priestly robe on, and he's in there worshiping and offering. Hey, it, God didn't honor it. He may have looked holy, but all he was doing was being religious. Are you doing this morning what God wants you to be doing? Are you where God wants you to be this morning in your, in your life? Are you living in sin this morning? Are you harboring sin this morning? 
Are you considering some sinful act this morning? Are you having an affair? Are you flirting with the idea of having an affair? Are you flirting with somebody at the workplace? Are you angry with a fellow believer this morning? Are you allowing yourself to watch sinful things on TV, the internet, and, and whatever else? Are you bitter? Are you critical? Are you envious this morning? Are you living in, in fornication or adultery this morning? Are you unequally yoked this morning with an unbeliever? Because those are places that God says you're not to be, and those are things that you're not to do. Take a lesson from Uzziah's example here. Get out of the sin. You get out of the sin before God gets you out of the sin, as we're going to see in a minute. And when God gets you out, you may not like it. Get out of the sin and get right with God before you throw everything that you've accomplished away. Watch out so that you don't lose the prize for which you've been working so hard. Be diligent so that you'll receive the full reward. Look at verses 17 and 18 now. So Azariah the priest went in after Uzziah, and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah, and they said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Notice, get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord. Azariah the priest and 80 others went in and they stood up against King, uh, King Uzziah. Notice, they weren't afraid of him. They weren't afraid of the king, they weren't afraid of his power, and they weren't afraid of his position because he was wrong. And you know, too many Christians are afraid to stand up for righteousness. Azariah and those 80 priests that went in with him, they were more concerned about the things of God. They were more concerned about the things of God than staying on the good side of King Uzziah. They saw the wicked sin in Uzziah. They saw the wicked sin that he was about to commit, trespassing into the holiness of God, which was set apart for only the Aaronic priesthood. And the priest warned him of the danger that he was in by disobeying God's law. Look at verse 18. It says, you shall have no honor from the Lord God. Uzziah, God's not going to honor what you're doing. And we can come here many times in sin, whatever that might be, with our Bible on hand, worshiping God. God's not honoring it. God's not honoring it. Men who have God on their side, like Azariah the priest here and the, 80 pri the, the, the high priest and the 80 priests that went in with him to get Uzziah out of the temple because they knew had God was on their side, they weren't afraid of King Uzziah. And we don't have to be afraid of anybody when God is on our side and we're doing the right thing, regardless of their power and regardless of their position. Because nothing makes a man or a woman more courageous than knowing, I am right with God. I'm right with God. I'm doing the right thing. The psalmist said, this I know, because God is for me, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Psalm 27, 1 says, The Lord is my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? With godly boldness, Azariah and those 80 priests 
told the king, get out of the sanctuary because you have trespassed and you shall have no honor from God. We don't see that kind of action today. If we were to tell somebody, get out of the sanctuary, somebody would say, oh, brother, Joe, where's your love? Where's the love? We need to be more nice and more gracious and more graceful. You know, we saw Jesus shout in the scriptures. We saw Jesus get angry. We saw him call people hypocrites and vipers. We saw him turn over tables when it was appropriate. But the church has been taught today to be nice. And we have made Jesus today into a, into a politically correct snowflake. Oh, don't hurt nobody's feelings. Don't offend anybody. Be nice. Jesus wasn't always nice when it came to dealing with sin. And the church today has become acceptable or accepting of sin. And not disciplining and, and not doing what needs to be done. While Uzziah was throwing his tantrum there in the sanctuary, leprosy broke out on his forehead immediately. God doesn't play. He doesn't tolerate sin. Suddenly and harshly, God struck Uzziah right where he stood in the holy place, even though he was holding a censer in his hand and he was dressed in a priestly robe, looking like a priest. He was fuming, he was, out. he was raging against Azariah and the 80 assistants who came to throw him out. And Uzziah was defiant and he was ready to go through with his plan to do what he wanted to do. I mean, what foolishness on Uzziah's part to think he could win against God. Jehovah God, who was and is looking at all times and sees everything, simply stretched out his hand and he stopped the ungodly King Uzziah from his behavior right on the spot. Now, according to Josephus, the Jewish historian, he says, at that moment, a great earthquake shook the ground, splitting the mountain where, they, where the city stood, causing an opening in the temple dome where the sun's rays came shining through right on Uzziah's face and the leprosy came out on him immediately. So who are we to think that we can hide our sinful behavior from God and to think that God doesn't see it or that he doesn't care? Listen to what God said. He says, for now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my, that, that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. 2 Chronicles 7, 16. The house of God is useless if the proper worship of God is missing. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, 1 through 4, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. God knows everything about us. There's nothing that we can hide from him. The leprosy broke out on Uzziah's forehead. 
It's the same punishment that Miriam, Moses' sister, got for speaking against Moses' leadership. It's the same punishment that Gehazi got for lying to Elisha. It's the same punishment. The severity of what God did shows the severity of what Uzziah did. Look at verse 20. And Azariah, the chief priest and all the priests, looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. Notice, so they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he, that is Uzziah, also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. Like the mark that was on Cain's head, on forehead in Genesis, the spot on Uzziah's forehead was a sign that said, I am the object of God's wrath. Now, you can't always see somebody else's punishment, but in Uzziah's case, everybody could see it. And it was, the, it was proof of how serious his sin was. And it was to be a warning to everybody around him that God doesn't play with sin. One of God's purposes in punishing evildoers is to convince those who see the consequences of their sin and hopefully discourage them through the fear of the Lord, of committing sin. Then there's a the humiliation of sin. Notice what verse 20 says. It says, they, the priests... Okay, they thrust him out of that place. And Uzziah also, you bet he hurried to get out of that place. He was humiliated. He stood there all proud and boasting and you know, furious with, with the priests and, and acting like he could do whatever he wanted. And God struck him. He, says, he wanted to get out of there as fast as he could as well. Now Uzziah was an unclean person. Now Uzziah was cut off from the congregation of the Lord. Now look, this is a picture of sin. This is a picture of what sin will do to you. He was now cut off from his people. He was cut off from the congregation of the Lord. The law demanded that those who trespassed in the holy temple were to be put to death, according to Numbers 18.7. But God graciously spared Uzziah's life and gave him leprosy, which was basically a living death sentence. Verse 21. King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord, and then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. So now he was a leper. Joshua could not appear in public. He couldn't even go into the palace now, his palace. Because of the infectious nature of his condition, he was quarantined to an isolated house for the rest of his life. Like leprosy, in its wasting, corrupting, disgusting, contagious, incurable character, it's an, it was an ugly symbol of sin. So was the excommunication of the leper from the congregation and his isolation from the fellowship of his friends and his fellow men. What a powerful and frightening picture of what's waiting for those who aren't forgiven of their sins. Sin is not only humiliating, it is fatal. King Uzziah was a leper and he lived in an isolated house until the day he died. Uzziah was cut off from the people. He could no longer serve God because of one unguarded moment and it destroyed a lifetime of what he a lifetime of achievement. Why? Uzziah wanted to do his will. He wanted to do his own thing. 
Our pursuit in life shouldn't be our will. It should be holiness, which is a safeguard against self-will. Hebrews 12.1 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The first goal of the pursuit of holiness is to be at peace with all people. If we're, going to be, if we're going to pursue holiness, we have to start by making wrong relationships right. It means getting right with people is, part, is a part of becoming holy. But our final salvation hinges on holiness. God is holy, and, and, and fallen man has to become holy. Holiness begins with God. Holiness is original with God. But it may be imparted to us by God and God only. With man, holiness is imparted by God, and it is a definite work of the grace of God. A lot of people mean well, but they fall short of holiness by failing to stir themselves up. Understand, holiness doesn't come after us. Holiness does not come looking after me. I have to pursue it. We have to devote ourselves to getting it and getting it with passion and an unswerving determination. Lazy Christians who can easily be turned away will be turned away. So the next time you decide to yield to temptation, listen to the words of Warren Wiersbe. He said, look back and remember God's goodness to you. Look ahead and remember the wages of sin. Look around and think of the people who may be affected by what you do and look up and ask God for the strength to say no. For most of Uzziah's life, verse 4 says, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. But he turned away from God. He went off the rail somewhere. And he remained a leper until the day he died. Dr. Alan Radpath said, 60 seconds of pleasure can lead to a lifetime of misery. Remember that. Uzziah is remembered more for his arrogant sin and punishment than for all the good things that he did. God requires a a lifelong obedience. Not a little obedience here, a little obedience there. No, that's not enough. Jesus said in Mark 13, 13, only he who endures to the end will be saved. Be remembered for your consistent faith. Or else you might be remembered more for your downfall than your success like Uzziah. So after Uzziah's banishment to the isolated house, his son Jotham takes over, is in charge of the palace, and he governs the people. Verses 22 and 23. As we close. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah from first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote, So Uzziah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his, his fathers in the field of burial, which belonged to the king. For they said, notice, he is a leper. Notice the last thing that's written about Uzziah. How sad. He is a leper. And that's what he would be remembered. Not all the neat things that happened to him in verses 1 through 15. He was a leper. When he finally died, he was buried in the royal cemetery, but, not, uh, but apparently not in the tombs of the kings, because the tombs of the kings were honored men. 
He had a wonderful beginning, but he had a very sad ending. Again, may this be a warning to us that we need to be on guard and we need to pray that the Lord will help us to the end to finish the race well. Just because we have a good beginning doesn't guarantee we'll have a good ending. And the sin of unholy desire has ruined more than one servant of the Lord. You never lose your ability to sin. You never grow to a point or become old enough where you lose your ability to sin. Just because you have a good beginning does not guarantee a good ending. And the sin of unholy desire has ruined more than one servant of the Lord. Again, Uzziah was a brilliant soldier. What defeated him? Pride. Uzziah was the builder. But he tore down his own ministry and testimony. Uzziah was a great farmer, but he reaped what he had sown. We're never closer to failing than than when we're experiencing great successes. If we don't recognize God's part in our successes, they're not any better than failures. Uzziah was an amazingly successful king. His accomplishments made him famous and powerful. But he had forgotten not only how much God had given him, but also that God had certain roles that he needed to respect. Uzziah's pride stemmed from his lack of thankfulness. We don't read anywhere that Uzziah ever thanked God for all the wonderful gifts that he received. Our accomplishments may be nothing like Uzziah's, but we still hold thanks to God for our lives. And if God isn't getting the credit for our successes, we need to start looking 